Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. My message title is Extraordinary Scriptures in My Life. Now, really what I did, this has been some time ago, uh, I don't know, a few years back, I just begin uh, to think about all the things, the scriptures that God has used in my life that were outstanding, that helped me move in my walk with God and helped me come to the place I am today. And so I just begin to write all those scriptures down. And you know, if you made your list, it would be different than mine because God speaks to us all individually in different ways. And so these are things that God has spoken to me over the years and they have just been um, extraordinary. Uh, They've been remarkable, really, and God has used them to begin um, to form and shape and mold me into the Christian that I am today. And so what I want to do is I want to take a few of these tonight. Obviously, I can't share all of them, and I may do those along, you know, from time to time. But tonight, I don't know how many I'll get to, but I'm going to share a few with you. And these are, again, lessons that God has taught me from the Word with specific scriptures, and I'm going to be sharing them with you. Really, as I think about it, these scriptures have arrested me. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say that? I mean, you know, if a person um, uh, is being seized by the authorities, let's just say police or sheriff's department, or you know, and 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 he uh, is arrested. That means he's stopped right where he is in that situation. He's arrested, and he's he can't go forward. He can't move. He's just right there. And that's what these scriptures, they've arrested me. And it it caused me to stand still. It caused me to begin to study and look into the scriptures and compare the other scriptures with it. Do you know if the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established? And I'm going to tell you, people who take scripture and pull them out of context and and make doctrines and 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 beliefs on things that is not well balanced see god doesn't want us to do that but he says if i show you a truth i will validate it and i will give witness to it two to three more times in the scripture. But where we get in trouble is when we begin to pull a truth out and not compare it so that your life can be balanced. You know the scripture says be well balanced because your adversary, the devil, what is he doing? Roaming about seeking whom he may devour. And then he says, so you must be well balanced. And to be well-balanced is to be well-rounded in the Scriptures. Do we get there overnight? Do you become suddenly mature in the Word of God? No, it's a development and it's a growth. Now, the process by which that takes place is not the same for everybody. Some people, they begin to be students of the Word. And I'm not talking about preachers. I'm talking about 
disciples of Christ. And, and they uh, give themselves to be students of the Word, and they grow and mature quicker than other people. In the same regard, I know people that have been born again for 50 years, and they're still got their huggies on. <laughs> they're spiritual huggies. You understand what I'm talking about? Do, the, do babies still wear huggies? I don't know. <laughs> Hadn't had a baby in a long time, so... So, you know, we can all be at different places at different times, and the growth rate is not determined by God. Well, God just let, He just lets me grow a little bit at a time. No, again, you must realize the growth rate is determined by the student, by the disciple, not by God. Now, what you do with that is determined by God because He gives gifts to everybody, and everybody's gifting is not the same. It's all different. Amen? So, extraordinary scriptures in my life, and I'm going to start to share those with you. And the first one I want to share is out of Matthew 22, 29. I remember years ago when I began to see this scripture. And it was like, again, that it was so dominant in my life that it just began to draw me in because there's truths here that will set you free. Now listen to this. You do err not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. There's so much in this Scripture, but I want you to think about this. You do err. What does that mean? It's error. You know what an error is? You know, it's a mistake. You get off track. You go the wrong direction. You get deceived. You go astray, you roam from safety and stability. You do err. You get away from stability in your life. I know people like this. After You know, a, a church is the age of our church. People are coming and going all the time. And you see somebody come in and they get a little bit of growth. And the next thing you know, they do err because they don't know the Scripture and they're just jumping around here and everywhere trying to find the blessings of God. But God does not want us to be deceived, to get out of that, to start roaming. He wants us to have a place to be planted. You do err because you don't know the Scriptures. And so that is a truth that was extraordinary to me that God began to talk about. And through that, I began to see if I did not know the Scriptures, I was going to get off track and I would never with my life accomplish my purpose that God had for me. Now, I want each one of you to think about this. You have a purpose. You have a destiny in God. And either you are moving toward that, in that, and through that, or you are not. And only you can determine that. And everybody's destiny and everybody's trip and everybody's responsibility along the way is not the same. The body of Christ is many members and many parts. If everybody is a head, we've got problems. If everybody is an arm, we've got problems. It takes the body of Christ to be well rounded. Can you say amen? That's very, very important. And so the scriptures 
put us in a position where we can fulfill God's purpose for our life. And, and I remember years ago, and this is so funny because it, it wasn't funny, ha-ha, then. It was strange at the time. But every, there were so many people, this was like in the 70s, early 80s, so many people coming into the body of Christ. It wasn't just to our church, but it was here. But it was churches everywhere because we would talk with pastors. But everybody was coming in when the Word of God began to be preached in power and demonstration. I'm called into the ministry. I'm called into the ministry. I'm called into the ministry. And you know, I stood back and, and I would say, you know, I know some people are legitimately called into the ministry and far be it from me to keep them from doing it. But God, I know in a church our size, there's not that many people called into the ministry. We got to have some people who are called by God to pray, to finance what you've called us to do, to work with us, to join hands with us. And so, you know, you hear a little bit of the word and you start going off on a tangent. You do err not knowing the Scriptures and not knowing the balance of life and not knowing the balance in how to walk in the Scriptures that you see. So the truth of God's Word is what's going to inform us. It's, it's, what, it's the mirror in which we can see ourselves and see the image of God, what He has for us. It's in the Scriptures. You know, sometimes... You know the scripture that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. There are times where you just want to take a bite out of the word. Do you know what I'm saying? And if you get to that place where you're taking the word of God, oh, ho-hum, it's really not that important. I'll catch it on the fly. Maybe, you know, once a week I might read a little psalm or pull a little promise out of the box or something. You know at that point in time, you've got to refocus and refire because that is where you can get into a place of roaming and getting off track. And see, just because you knew the Word doesn't mean that you know the Word. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh yes, I've read that. I have people tell me that all the time. It's like I want to say, and maybe sometimes I have, well, if you know it, then why aren't you doing it? You know? See, God will bring someone to you with a word in due season. And if you stand there, oh, I know that, I know that, I know that. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because if you did, if you really knew it in the way that knowing is supposed to be, oh, that I might know Him! in the power of His resurrection. That's an intimate relationship. And when you have a spoonful of a psalm once a week, no, you do not know Him. And I'm not speaking condemningly because I have to speak to my own self. It's no different for you than it is for me. That can happen to me. I can get so busy in ministry that I err not knowing and becoming intimate with the Scriptures and let God speak to me up out of them. Now, in the Word good? So you do err. You get seduced. You get off course by not knowing the Scripture. Now listen to this. It's important that you understand that there's two things paired together here. Knowing the Scripture and the power of God. 
Those two things are connected. If you only get the Word of God, you will dry up. The Spirit and the Word, the Bible says, agree. And so you have to know that there's uh, this word power here is dunamis. Miracle working power. You do err not knowing that the Scriptures go together with the miracle working power of God. And see, in our day and time, people just want to do away with the miracle working power of God. They don't want to talk about it. That's for those Pentecostals. Is it in the Word? That's one of the things when I read the Bible through the first time that I began to see in the book of Acts and all over the Bible in the Old Testament how that miracle signs and wonders were taking place. And I got so hungry and I got so thirsty for that. And I began to see as I would, would believe that and I would exercise faith in that and I would begin to step out and pray for people when I didn't even know how to pray. Honest to God, I didn't even know how to pray. And I began to see God do some remarkable things. I remember when the realization of that first started taking place in my life. And I was around a person and, and I just kept being drawn to them. It was a word of knowledge that God gave to me, one of the first words of knowledge. And I, I was filled with the Spirit, but I didn't really understand about those nine gifts of the Spirit. But God began to, to, to just speak to me. I want you to go and I want you to talk to this person and I want you to lay your hand upon them. And I, oh my God, oh my God. You know, because I was so timid and so nervous because I, I didn't know much about it. And like I said, I didn't know how to pray. But I went and I did what God, I finally got the courage and I finally got up and prayed for this person. And they began to weep and say, oh my God, I'm in so much pain. You just can't even imagine. And so we laid hands upon that person and they were instantly healed and raised up. You do err not knowing the Scriptures. Believers lay hands on the sick, they recover. You get filled with the Holy Spirit, you get the availability of nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, a word of knowledge like I had that day, and God can do something. Because I saw it in the Word, and then I allowed the power of God to move and work. You know, some people think that it has to be spectacular. You know, I love to... Have you ever seen any old videos of uh, Catherine Kuhlman? She had some remarkable, magnificent miracles that took place. And she was so demonstrative. You know, just a lovely lady. I'm not making fun. She was just really just a lovely person, full of God's power, you know. And so it's not going to be a Catherine Kuhlman meeting every time the Holy Spirit comes upon you and every time the Holy Spirit begins to stir. It'll just be a, maybe a still small voice. Maybe it'll be a little stirring and urging on the inside. But realize and understand that it is the power of God that will work with the Word of God and, and Gordon Lindsay, and I've said it many times, but he said, you know, if you've just got the Word of God only, you will dry up. If you've just got the Spirit of God, you will 
blow up if you don't have it without the Word, what people call the Spirit. But he said, if you combine the Word and the Spirit, what happens? You grow up. And see, this is an outstanding truth that God has taught me. And I want to share it with you all tonight. Because as you, as you read the Bible, as, and, and let me tell you, if you don't have a hunger for the Word of God, I'm going to pray before you get out of here tonight that God begin to stir your heart with a fresh hunger. Maybe you've never had it before. So a new hunger. But maybe you've had it but it's not fresh to you. It's old hat, so to speak. I'm going to pray that God give a fresh hunger in our hearts for the Word of God and for walking in the Holy Spirit. You see, we may not be in the charismatic movement anymore, but that does not mean that people can't be filled with the Spirit, nor does it mean that we can't um, move and flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and expect the supernatural to take place. He's still moving today. He's still working today just like he was in the charismatic movement. Now, it's a different time. It's a different era. But it's still God. And he's still doing what he began to do in the book of Acts. And if you read over there in the book of Acts, those people got hold of something there. And I mean, it shook to the very foundation the area that they were in. And it, it got to the point where they said, don't preach anymore in the name of Jesus. Do not use that name anymore. Do not talk about the blood of Jesus. Why was that? Because there's power in the blood and there's power in the name and there were supernatural happenings that were taking place. You remember Peter? He was in jail. And I'm telling you that early church got together. And you know, you talk about praying up a storm. That's exactly what they did. They got on their knees. They began to lift up their voice. There wasn't anyone there saying, oh, well, I'm praying too loud. It was like they were at the top of their lungs, praying out to God boldly. And I'm going to tell you, the prison door came open and out he came. And he went to preaching. And you remember, John, you know, don't preach anymore. Don't preach anymore. Paul and Silas, don't preach anymore in that name. Don't talk about the name. I tell you what, you know what we need to start doing more than ever before? We need to talk about the name. We need to speak the name because at the mention of that name, the name of Jesus. Every knee must bow. Every tongue must confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We need some power in God's house. We need power in the believer's life. And it is not going to come through motivation. And I love motivational speaking and teaching. I learn from it a lot. But I'm going to tell you that is not 
going to be where growth takes place in our life in the supernatural. Now, we may grow and develop in our personality and our relationships and all of that, and that's good. And the Bible is full of that, so there's nothing wrong with it. But I tell you, we can't take that and leave behind the Word of God and the power of God. We got to bring it all together. Got to bring it all together. Amen. Praise God. You do err. You get off track. You roam. You get sidetracked. You get seduced. You get deceived because you do not know the Scriptures nor the power of God. Those two work together. The Scripture and the power of God. Amen. That's so very, very important. Now, I, I got to thinking about this, how, you know, people wander and they get off track. They just start wondering and they get off track. And, and, you know, how does that happen a lot of times? It's because we get away from the Scriptures. And I was reading over in the book of Revelation over there, and it talks about the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And, you know, those people, uh, they were proselytes of Nicholas the deacon. Now, he would, Nicholas must have been on track when he was chosen to be a deacon, but he had to get way off track because the Bible says in the book of Revelation, I hate that doctrine of the Nicolaitans. I hate it. And you know, I began to look that up, and this has been years ago, and really what it is, it's loose morals. Huh. Does that turn a light on for anybody? Loose morals, greasy grace, do anything you want because in the end, God will just take you back. That's dangerous. That's damnable. That's abomination as far as I'm concerned because that's telling people a lie that's going to take them to hell. Uh, you know, this has happened to me two times and not too long, you know, not a, a long span in between. But there were a couple, and uh, one of them was killed, died, and the other one was talking about, I'm going to meet him in heaven. I'm going to see him in heaven. Well, you know, the only problem with that is they're living together. They were not married I can't preach anybody into heaven or hell. I just know the Word of God and what the Bible says about fornication, adultery, sexual sins out of marriage. So you can't preach somebody. I won't preach them into hell, but you sure can't preach them into heaven either. Because when you live that way, this is the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. That's just one example. There's so many, you know, uh, there's so many immoralities that, that are wickedness and perversion and all that, that. And see, this is out of that doctrine of the last days that John talked about in the book of Revelation. The doctrines of the Nicolaitans. And God said, I hate that doctrine. Why does he hate it? Because he hates people that, that maybe commit those things? No. Because he hates it because it deceives people and it will send them to hell. So you get into error when you don't know the Scriptures. The Scripture tells us how to live, how to conduct our life. It tells us what's right 
and what's wrong. And it doesn't matter how we want to think about it. If it's contrary to that, we have to align ourselves to the Scripture or we get into error. <coughs> but we can see through that doctrine how immorality creeps in. And I've never seen it in a day like we live in today. I've never seen it. People think nothing about it. Uh, children out of wedlock. I love those little babies and, 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 you know, I'll love them and bless them. And, but that is not God's plan. A mother and a father committed to each other to love those children and bring them up like God said, Abraham is my man because he's going to raise those children to follow me. And that's what we're to do. Two Christian people coming together in a marriage, a commitment, a covenant. And, and see, covenant is so important. Covenant with God. We need to have a covenant with God. That means we're committed to Him. And then when we find someone that we want to spend our life with, then we make a covenant and we commit to them. Oh, well, I've changed my mind, though. I made that covenant, but I've changed my mind. Well, you know, it just doesn't work that way. You know, it just doesn't. And you know, if you'll find it, and see, I know there may be people in here, you've had children out of wedlock, you've been through a divorce. I'm not talking to condemn you. I'm talking in a way, if that's where people are, before you do these things, look at the Scripture, consider God's Word. Because if it's already happened, and you're here, you probably repented, and so you know what I'm saying is the truth. So it's not a condemning word at all. But when you commit in a marriage, you make a covenant to someone, and, and you make it when things are good, and oh, you're so in love, and you just think they're better than anything. You know, you just love them so much. But then isn't it funny, the next day they can do something and you can think, I hate their guts. <laughs> now you wouldn't say that because you're a Christian. <laughs> but that's the way you feel. But you see, covenant is not about whether they're doing things you like or doing things you dislike. Covenant is about commitment. Come hell or high water, we're in this thing together. If there's anybody you can count on, it's going to be me. If there's anybody that will stand by you and support you, it's going to be me. See, that's a two-way street. That's just not one in the couple. It's both together. That's the way you are. You're sold out for each other, and you may not feel it. You get up in the morning and you're in a grippy mood, and you may not feel committed, but you are anyway. You know, with your children, you'd never even consider, would you? When they do things that upset you, that you don't like, that you have to correct them for, well, you would never think, well, I'm not committed to you anymore, just get out of the house and go live on the street. You'd never think about doing that. Well, we can't do that with a husband or wife. We've got to be committed and, and stand together. That's so very important. Amen? And so, as we're looking here, we must understand that we must know the Bible 
and understand it, that it works in unison with the supernatural, miracle-working power of God. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora.